This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. This is what happens. It just takes a matter of faith, a step. And then God uses you as a tool and an instrument. Next thing you know, you're on cloud nine. Because you didn't realize you could do this. You thought you had to be Jeff. You don't want to be me. Number one, learn how to speak the gospel in a succinct, simple way. Learn how to share your story. Remember who you are, what you were, and what Christ has done. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. Today. Today. Today with Jeff Fines. Hello and welcome. This is Today with Jeff Fines. My name is Bill. Thanks for joining us. Today, Pastor Jeff is finishing a message about sharing our story. He urges us to not only live a life that is changed by the gospel, but also to speak it and share it with others. If you need help to be bold and share the news of Christ in your life, keep listening. If you've missed any messages, you just need to search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you listen to podcasts. Here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of this message. I love before and after shots. I love them. The weight training stuff, the dieting, I love to watch them. I Google them sometimes just to look at them because I'm always amazed by transformation. Look at this one of Obama. This is what he looked like before he was president. This is after. You got to feel some sympathy for the guy, man. It aged him greatly. Look at Macaulay Culkin, man. He had a hard time. That's a, that's a, that's a before and after. And this is Brad Pitt before. Look at this. And this is Brad Pitt after. I think it's quite an improvement if you ask me. And then you've got my favorite before and after. I love these pictures of the work that we're doing in India. I love that before and after. Your story is your story. And my friend Rick Reed, when he told me his story on Monday, how, you know, when he told his friends that he had changed, that he'd been to church and he'd stopped doing some of the things he was doing, they really didn't believe it at first. But he just kept telling his story. And now all of his friends are like, man, something's happened to this dude. And Rick says that God showed me a better way of life, and I'm mending fences, and the hearts that I've broken, I'm trying to restore, trying to reconnect with people that I've hurt. What is the, what is the story of the difference Jesus has made in your life? And have you learned to just speak it and tell it? And let me just give you a warning here. Everybody in the room, this is not a warning, this is advice. And it's only because I've seen it in my own life. I met a man not too long ago. I'm not going to use his name. I'm not, I don't have permission to do that yet. So maybe you'll hear more of this story in the future. But I met a man whose 12-year-old son is dying of cancer. Devastating. So I spent some time with him. And finally, after a few sessions and I saw his heartbreak, I asked him this question. I said, can I ask you, as we pray for this kid, how are you with God? He looked at me and said, what do you mean? Well, are you losing your faith as you're losing your son? And he looked at me without hesitation and he said, Pastor Jeff, are you crazy? The only hope I have is eternity. 
And he said, through this, my eyes have been opened to the futility of the temporariness of life on planet Earth. Pastor Jeff, we're all terminal. Now, losing a son has to be the hardest thing any man would go through. But to look and hear this guy tell me, see this rope? Here's where we miss it. And I know some of you have seen Francis Chan do this, but I was doing this long before Francis Chan. But if you see this rope, let's say this rope goes for eternity. Just, let's just say it just keeps going. I mean, it starts right here. But let's say that it just keeps going through that wall uh, to London, on down through, it just goes forever. And the Bible says this little red spot here is what represents your life on planet Earth. That's how he views what's happening to him. It's for this time. Even David, when he lost his son, said what? He will not return to me, but I will go to him. When people live their lives like this, you, you just respond differently to the circumstances of life because you know your eternity is secure. And whatever happens to you in this life, whatever, it may be difficult, it may be hard, but you hold your head up high and you do the best you can and you don't lose faith in God, you know that your only hope is God. I'm in conversations right now, again, I can't use the name yet, but I'm in conversations right now with a, with a high official in Los Angeles, pretty high up on the ladder. And the reason I'm in conversations with him is because he's having anxiety. And somehow he heard about my journey. So here's this high-powered official that is being brought to his knees He's a strong believer, so I think he's going to make it. And my comment to him was, do you realize that what's happening to you right now? Jesus is writing a story into your life so that you'll have a story to tell to your places of influence that Christ and his power can defeat any depression or anxiety you experience. Let me just warn you just for a moment here. The difficult seasons of your life is sometimes God's way of waking you up that you're an ambassador, that you've been called of God. You're not elected by the people as though God is making his appeal through you. And you will have a story to tell of what God has done in you and through you in the most difficult seasons of life. Hey, do you remember those Jason Bourne movies? Okay, guys, you're in church, honest. How many love those movies? Jason Bourne, man, I, I like all of them, except the last one, because I'm loyal. The born identity. You remember how it starts? I think if I'm not mistaken, wasn't he face down in the Mediterranean with two bullet holes in his back? He washes up on the shore. He, try, he doesn't know who he is. He's trying to discover his true identity. Over time, he finds a passport, and then he finds a safe deposit box and some cash. And he, he's on this journey to try to find out who he truly is. And then he meets this girl, Marie, and she has sympathy for him and goes on this journey with him to try to discover his true identity. And then the CIA, they send assassins from Treadstone to try to kill him before he discovers who he is and who he's been working for. But I love my favorite scene in the movie was his first fight. And all of a sudden, I'm sorry, I'm going to be silly here, okay? But he has this first fight and he's like, and he does all these moves. And then the look on his face is he's surprised that he's able to do that. He's so quick. He's so, he didn't know he had these skills. And they're doing all this like that, you know. And, I'm, and he kind of turns to her and he's kind of like, wow. He's been trained. He's in a trained assassin. You know what? He had amnesia. He needed to be 
woken up. And I'm telling you that so many of you do. Only it's a spiritual amnesia and you forgot who you are. You've forgotten. You need some help. Because the Bible tells you that you've been partakers of the divine nature. You're partakers of the divine nature. The Spirit of God is in you, man. You've been born again. Can I read some passages? I love these passages. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. James 1.18, he chose you. There's one believer in the audience. Praise God. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be kind of first fruits. In other words, you're the first people to have the spirit of God in you. Old Testament people didn't have it. You got him. John 3, I say to you, unless one is born again, unless God plants a new seed in you, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then 2 Peter 1, 4, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world. These all scriptures are saying the same thing. That there's four stages of life. There is plant life. There's animal life. There's human life. And then there's the born again life. You're like a superman. There are things you can do you don't know you can do. And you've just forgotten. You've just forgotten what God is able to do in you and through you. And I'm hoping that you'll wake up. Some of us have spiritual amnesia. You've drifted. You've got sucked into the vortex of the world. Being an ambassador for Christ is no longer a priority. You've been redeemed and rescued, but you've forgotten. You've got a great story to tell, but you can't remember it because it's been so long since you've thought about the change and transformation Christ has made in your life, even though Jesus said, I'll be with you till the end of the age. But when you begin to move out in faith, here's what's going to happen. When you begin to move out and take serious this thing about being an ambassador for Christ, you know what's going to happen? One day you're going to come into conflict with somebody and the Spirit of God's going to open your mouth and you're going to say things you didn't even know you knew. He's going to open your mouth and suddenly you're going to get all excited. It's like when I made my first hole in one. I just stood back there and watched the ball fly right into the cup. And I thought, if I did this once, I can do it again. And so I've been spending the rest of my life trying to get the third one. This is what happens. It just takes a matter of faith, a step. And then God uses you as a tool and an instrument. Next thing you know, you're on cloud nine. Because you didn't realize you could do this. Number one, learn how to speak the gospel in a succinct, simple way. Learn how to share your story. Remember who you are and what you were and what Christ has done. Then finally, this is the end. Learn how to approach difficult questions. Now, this is my favorite point. Of course it is because I'm wired like this. Learn how. I didn't say learn the answer to every question. I said learn how to approach difficult questions. In the Bible, we're told in Luke 18, 18, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Every time I read that, I think, whoa, Jesus, chill. All he did was ask you how to get eternal life, and you're just kind of flipping it on him. Why do you call me good? Nobody good but God. Ch chill. What is Jesus doing here? He is trying to get the questioner to open up within his own assumptions. Every question that you're asked has an assumption behind it. Every question. So the best thing you can do is not try to answer it, is to ask another question. This is the way I work with almost everybody that I meet with the first time. Somebody will say, well, I just can't believe in God with all the suffering in the world. And I'll say, well, hold on. I mean, is suffering a bad thing? Well, yeah. So you're saying it's bad for who to suffer? What they'll always say, little children, that's terrible. I say, oh, so you're saying that every life is sacred 
And every life has sanctity and worth to it. Therefore, we should be hurt when little children suffer. But wait a minute. The only way there can be a sacredness and sanctity to life is if God created life in the first place. If we're here by time plus matter plus chance and we're all accidents, there's no sacredness or sanctity to life. It's all dumb bad luck. So the reality is your question assumes that God does exist. Somebody will say, well, I can't believe in evil because of God. Not, you know what I say? Well, if you know there's evil, then you know there's good. And if you know there's evil and good, there's a moral law to define evil and good. And if you know there's a moral law to define evil and good, there's got to be a moral law giver. Now, I'm wired that way. My brain just starts turning over. But the point is, just ask questions. Try to refrain from making statements or getting defensive. Just simply learn how to approach difficult questions. And the way you approach it is usually, what do you mean by that? Or, you know what? I don't know the answer to that. Can we pray through that? Can I think through that? And, and we'll have lunch again. Don't try to answer something you don't know. Don't try to be smart. Just be honest. Now, what does Jesus do with this guy? This guy's got a problem. And Jesus knows it. So he goes right to the source. And he basically says to him, why do you call me good? You should know there's nobody good but God. Are you saying I'm God? And yes, the rich young ruler had seen Jesus do things that could only be explained if Jesus is God. And that's why he came to him in the first place. But his real issue is he's not looking for salvation from sin. He's wealthy in this world. He wants to be wealthy in the next. And Jesus says you can't have both. You've got to choose between the two. You can be wealthy, but only after you've given everything to me and let me decide. And the second issue is, there's nothing you can do, rich young ruler, to be saved. You're saved by grace. So you can't add this to your list of things you got done so that you would go to heaven. Tim Keller says about this story, Jesus smashed two of the rich young ruler's assumptions. Christianity is something you can add and something you can do. You can't add it and you can't do. So I understand that you'll get tough questions, but you have to learn how to approach them, and that's with mercy and grace, other questions that cause them to open up within their own assumptions, and prayer. Verse 23 says that when he heard this, the rich young ruler, by the way, he was sad because he's very wealthy. In other words, he doesn't want Jesus and wealth he wants to add Jesus to his wealth as a loophole for eternity. His issue is that he, he trusts in money more than God. And Jesus says, you can't trust in both. Jeff Vines once said, that's, that's sick, isn't it? Just sick. <laughs> that the most effective approach to difficult questions includes grace, mercy, and more questions that help a person open up within their own assumptions. The problem in our churches, okay, here we go, quickly. The problem in our churches is that we rely too much on one man or one woman, or one gift. So we say our church has a great communicator or a great worship leader, and suddenly we all become spectators expecting them to do the work of the kingdom, and it doesn't work that way. Let me go back and remind you that we are called in Matthew 28 to go into all the world teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. In other words, we're supposed to walk in the dust of the rabbi. In the first century, when you followed around a teacher, when you followed and you listened to what he taught and you did what he taught, it was said that you walked in the dust of the rabbi. Our rabbi is Jesus. We walk in his dust. We follow him. I said once, a disciple is not the same thing as an interested spectator. Kyle Ottoman puts it like this. A fan is not the same thing as a follower. 
Just because you're a spectator and you're enjoying everything doesn't mean you're a disciple. Now, here's the beautiful thing about our church, and I gotta do this quickly. Here's why I love my church, and it's not my church. Dane Johnson, remember what he said? I'm pretty sure the name out on the sign doesn't say Christ Church or Jeff Vines or Jeff Vines Christ Church. It's Christ's church. It's his church. I got that, even though I messed it up three different ways. I still get it. But in our church, Christ church, we have a very clear path to discipleship. But you're the entryway. We don't, we don't just glorify and celebrate 36 baptisms. We take them now, and they start their journey toward fully devoted followers of Jesus. So all we need to do, we've worked years on getting this pathway, is for you to realize you're the entryway through your relationships. To, be, to, to become friends with someone and invite them on the journey. They don't, they don't have to have everything solved before they get here. Remember we said before you, before you behave the way somebody thinks you ought to, you already belong. Just come on in and take the journey. Go across the path. But you're the entryway. Now, here's how you become a better entryway. We have something very special at our church called Becoming a Contagious Christian. And you know what we do in Becoming a Contagious Christian? We teach you three things. How to speak the gospel in a succinct, simple way. How to share your story and how to approach difficult questions. And we do it in a way that is natural to your personality and temperament. There's nothing more than when, there's nothing better when sharing the gospel is natural to you. It just comes out of you because it's part of you. Now let me give you one example, and I have a hundred, and then I'll finish the sermon, okay? Samantha Stradley is a member of our church. Here she is. She completed starting point. She asked her tough questions. She went through the story, learned the coherency of the Bible and the love story. She went through rooted, experienced God both head and heart. And shortly after that, because she had equipped herself, God said, it's time for a divine appointment. She met somebody named Val. Now, Samantha then joined Contagious, this course that I just told you about. She learned how to share her faith naturally. She decided that this lady, Val, would become her one life. She confidently began engaging Val in conversations about Christ. And guess what happened? Val became a Christian and received Christ. You cannot imagine the elation that Samantha had. Let me give you a quote from Samantha. She says, I've always been fearful of praying out loud with people and walking someone through asking Jesus into their heart. However, the spiritual guidance that I have had from Contagious enabled me to understand that I had nothing to fear. She says, I had the honor of praying with Val in my car as she confessed her sins and asked the Lord into her heart. And then she says, Val and I have been friends ever since. But the story doesn't stop there. Guess what Val does? Val, she has a friend, and her friend is very hostile to God, very negative because of a negative church experience she had in the past. Do you know how many people are walking around this community with those kind of experiences, where they're beaten up, where they're abused, where some pastor tries to manipulate them into doing things that aren't necessarily part of the gospel? So they're walking around everywhere. So this woman turned to something, because anytime there's a spiritual void, you're going to try to fill it with something else. So she turned to witchcraft and goddesses and Mother Earth and the godhood of all humanity. Unfortunately, when Val's friend was going through this, Val herself was far from God. 
But because of what Samantha did in bringing Val to Christ, then Val, guess what she did? She brought her friend. She started sharing the gospel because she had become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. She had gone through starting point, the story, rooted, and then Val joined Contagious. And then she went back and shared the gospel comfortably with her witch friend who became her one life. And Val continued to confidently share her story and her message of Christ. And this is what Val said. She said, my friend told me that my prayer for her really impacted her. I called her last month and she told me this. I'm with Jesus now and I believe in him. And Val says, I truly believe that the things I learned in Contagious really allowed me to effortlessly share my faith in Jesus. Man, talk about momentum. What if everybody at church believed they were truly ambassadors of God, that God was generally, genuinely making his appeal through them, that we have not been elected by people but called of God, and we all learned these three simple things. So I've done my job. My job is to encourage you to get into contagious and learn how to speak the gospel simply and succinctly, how to tell your story, and how to approach the difficult questions. And if you do, I think the stories will multiply. Hey, can I ask you something just in closing here? Man, this gets me every time. Just all of eternity, that rope just keeps, this is my life here? And you can't take anything to heaven with you. Except one thing, other people. Amen. That's all. It's the only thing you can bring with you. And Charles Spurgeon used to give this example in his preaching, one of the greatest preachers in American history. He'd say, at the end of time, there's going to be this big parade, huge parade. The angels and Jesus and you are standing on the balcony and you're watching the parade go by. And it's all the people who receive Christ through relationships and friendships and if you're standing up there with Christ, are you going to be able to say, yeah, that dude was my one life. Yeah, I shared the gospel with her. And Jesus looks at you and says, well done, well done good and faithful servant. Amen. Is that you? You say, I want to, but I don't know how. I know. So what's your next move? And see if God will not bring this Superman out of you. You'll be saying things and doing things, man, that change people's lives. Amen? Amen? Father, thank you so much for the power of the gospel, for the power of your word. And I pray in Christ's name right now that there just be a flood into this place of not guilt and shame. That comes from the evil one, but of conviction, of a desire to start living life in such a way that we're looking for opportunities and we're sharing the good news of the gospel with those who are far from God. I think of all the people, Father, who've just been wounded or hurt by something that should have given them great grace and mercy. I pray that that would be the modus operandi of our church, love, grace, mercy, conversation that leads to conversion. In Christ's name, pray. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts.
Today. 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 With Jeff Fines. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.